And hello, everyone in the sports world, in the Rio Grande Valley, and welcome to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget, sports fans, you can listen to this podcast available every Monday on our platforms on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and of course, the home base, anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Our guest today, he isn't a stranger on this podcast because he's been here before. Normally, he is a host of another podcast, which he is the co-host and now running solo per se right now, but he is none other than Edson Ochoa of Down in the Valley. Edson, welcome aboard. How's everything going? Good evening, Ray. Good evening to all of your audience of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. It's an honor to be back to talk soccer with you, as always. And uh, let's, I'm just a little bit hyped up about the Toro, the Toro season. And um, now I think the best part is, is now I'll be able to watch this season up close and personal compared to previous seasons. Well, that's an, it's a privilege to have you on. Let's get right to the show. So the Toros uh, recently made a couple of splashes uh, for their roster. They've recently added Juan David Cabezas, a notable Houston Dynamo player which uh, led them to their recent cup run. And then they've also added Alexis Cerritos, who is the son of Ronald Cerritos. And then you've also got the loan that happened for Kembo Kibato to the um, FC Tulsa organization. Uh, What do you make of all this uh, for for the foreseeable future? So... Let's start with, I think we can say like the most well-known transfer that was recently made, and that is Juan David Cabezas. Mm -hmm. Juan David Cabezas is a center defensive midfielder that I think did a splendid job with the Houston Dynamo under Wilmer Cabrera. He has a lot... He not, not only does he have MLS experience, but he also has uh, experience in the Colombian League as well. And it's a shame that Juan David could not continue with the Houston Dynamo longer than he could have. He was very injury prone in the later stages, in the later games, in the later seasons with the Houston Dynamo. And it was, you know, he was a player that gave the Houston Dynamo some sort of stability in that two center defensive midfielder lineup that Wilmer usually would use with the Houston Dynamo in MLS and open cup play. And so, I think having a player like Juan David 
is going to be a huge plus, a huge addition for RGVFC. I mean, he has the experience. He's not, he's pretty much not old. He's just a little, he's just a couple of months older than I am. I'm 29. So he's technically, he, he's just 30 years old. So I think he can still give a couple of seasons of uh, good performances with the totals, help guide the younger uh, players uh, and uh, mold them and give them some sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Advice, you know, bringing that, that experience, that South American experience, el colmillo, like they say in Spanish, um, whenever the team was going to need a one of those moments you know to kill time or to be able to talk to the referee and not get pushed around i think one of the biggest problems in the previous seasons for rgv was that lack of experience if we go back to the 2020 season i mean you could say that the player with the most experience was robert castellanos you know and everybody else was pretty much, you know, new to the USL or they were just like maybe one or two years in, in the professional environment. And Juan David Cabezas is like, he's got years in top level soccer. So when you've got teams like Austin Bold, who loves to kind of play with the dagger, like like holding the dagger to their teeth, you know, and playing with the playing with the referee, trying trying to bully other teams with their experience with the colmillo. You know, a play, I mean, a player like Juan David Cabezas is really going to help the Toros stay level headed, especially with the younger kids that probably aren't used to the, uh, going up against that kind of play, and and so that is a huge addition for me. Now we go on with Alexis Cerritos, and to be honest, that's a really a player that I don't really have a lot of, a lot of knowledge about. He really didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of games with Orange County, um, so there's really not a not a lot for uh, for us to go with uh, from from him, but I think the the fact you know that. He is, he has the reputation of being the son of Ronald Cerritos, who is a former Houston Dynamo player and a legend in El Salvador. So I think he, ha he has, in that aspect, a, a high expectation out of him, at least to, you know, to be as great or better than his father. Now, he is only 20 years old. So he still has a lot to grow. He, according to transfer market, he is considered a um, second striker um, in the attack. So it will be interesting to see where he lands in the in the lineup for Wilmer Cabrera. One of the things that I really like about the Juan David Cabezas 
it's going to be that veteran presence. And like you mentioned, he's not up there in age. He can kind of be like that second field general that the Toros were sorely lacking last season. Now, they may have had a a leader on the field with over 100 USL championship appearances with Robert Castellanos, but here you're you're getting the total 180 with Cabezas here. He's got MLS experience. He's played internationally in, in, in his country of Colombia. So you're, so you're getting a, a handful with Cabezas. Now with Alex Ritos, a young 20-year-old uh, prospect, if, you, if we can still use that uh, terminology, uh, who got some very little playing time with, with Orange County, uh, just the, the few appearances uh, for him. So uh, uh, I kind of like what he brings on the table because he's that, he, that young striker, that young striker that when the team needs a fresh set of legs in the attack, and he, I wouldn't want to compare him to a Yair Arboleda type guy, but if you're going to be looking for a fresh set of legs late in the match when you're playing against your 30 to 31 year old defensive backs, uh -huh. he might be that explosive guy that the Toros can rely on off the bench to to fill in and get that one killer goal that they need to put away for three points at any given point. Yeah. And while Alexis Cerritos has only 63 total minutes in the USL championship, um, having some internet issues so uh, uh, with my laptop, so I can't see exactly which team he had those four appearances with uh, on the transfer market website, but he does have some U El Salvador youth national team appearances. Uh, He's been with the under 20s. He had six appearances with them um, with his, his debut coming in uh, in 2018. With the other 17s, he had three appearances and one goal. And from what I'm seeing, he, it's saying that he has one appearance for the, um, for the you know, pretty much for the main El Salvador national team in 2017 not sure if you can verify uh, if you can verify that right but i he, think that's very interesting yes he he, he does have that that one cap or el, el salvador as you mentioned in fact i will say this much about ronald uh, uh, about uh, alexis cerritos his previous club prior to orange county he was with uh Loudoun united fc where he mm -hmm. made one appearance. So apparently the Toros are stacking up on the Loudoun United uh, players that they no longer, um, that they didn't seem fit for that uh, organization out there. Now, when it comes to Cerritos here, it, you just got to wonder how is this team uh, continuing to progress his debut with El Salvador 
He made it in a one nothing game against Canada at BBBA Stadium mm-hmm. in Houston, and yeah. where he he had in this game was a friendly where he had a, came in for for Arturo Alvarez. Ah, yes, Arturito. Yes, Arturo Alvarez. So there, so there is your one El Salvador entrance for Alexis Serrit with the national team of El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Now, now moving on to the other transaction that happened, the loan of Kembo Kibato to Tulsa. What do you make of this? I mean, I know he had some experience to him, and he made some appearances. But now, what do you make? Oh, what do you make of this move for him? And and what is this? And what does this do for our squad now that it stands with eighteen players at the moment? I think it's pretty simple. Uh, I think it's one of those moves where, and I've mentioned it on on my podcast before. Like we have to think bigger than the players that we had in these previous last years. While Kembo Kibato at the end uh, was one of the few that was above average for this team. Um, with Toros 2.0, I don't think he was gonna cut it. Uh, compared to the talent that is being brought in, you know, he is not going to bench Juan David Cabezas unless he has a horrible run of form, you know, it, in during the USL season. Now, you also have to remember that Kembo Kibato um, takes up an international slot. And so why are you going to waste an international slot for a player that is not going to play or is rarely going to play. You can easily use that international slot for Kimbo. You can use it with another player that might break the into the starting 11. Because I know Harry, you know, when, I, when he mentioned it to me and I told him about that, he was like, well, why can't you just buy an international slot? I'm like, why would you buy an international slot for a player that's rarely gonna that's really gonna go based, and this is just based on the roster names that have been confirmed already by the club. You know, if he's gonna be spent spending time on the bench or out on the stands, why are you gonna use that that international slot? I think this is where the loan to FC Tulsa comes into play. Now, the confusion that I still have, and sadly, it's not something that the club press release makes it any easier to comprehend, is that, you know, we were told that Kembo Kibato is a dynamo player, and One of the biggest proofs I have of that is go to El Camino episode number two. Mm -hmm. 
Look at the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. They have, excuse me, they have the Dynamo Lonis and, they, and the initials of the players that are Dynamo Lonis next to it, they have in parentheses a D representing Dynamo Lonis. So Kembo Kibato is technically a Dynamo Lonis. This is a player that was acquired by the Dynamo when they still had control the technical aspect uh, control the technical aspect of this club before the independence was announced the dynamo technically announced that they would be uh, sent to rgv now the question is is that rgv says that they signed these players and then you fast forward to now rgv says we loaned Kembo Kibato to FC Tulsa. Now, my question is, which is it? Is he a Dynamo Loney? Which means that they probably, the Dynamo was, was the one that looked and found FC Tulsa a place to, to loan him because maybe Wilmer said, you know what? I'm not going to need him. I don't want him. Now, you have to remember that Kembo um, Kyle Edwards and Juan Carlos Azocar were announced to the Toros before the uh, before the independence announcement, and because of that, announced before even Wilmer was announced as the head coach and uh, and uh, sporting director. And if you remember the the interview I had with Ron a couple of weeks ago, he said that the coaching um search was not made until the day or until the moment they announced independence which means that Wilmer Cabrera had zero input in regards to these three dynamo loanees for uh the 2021 season so if he's real if he is looking at his players that he's bringing in and you're using and like I said you're using an international slot for a player that's not even uh, in, within the plans of Wilmer Cabrera, why have him? Find him a place where he can probably play and then you free yourself an international slot that you can, maybe you won't use right now because we are already less than a month uh, away from the season opener. But maybe in the next transfer window, you bring in, a, you know, if you need to bring in a striker, or you need to bring in anything else, that's an international player. You have that free international slot right there. And I think this is where it's, uh, where the uh, train of thought is. You know, on something that I had shared on social media, March 19th, I had projected a starting lineup based on signings in, in well, not necessarily in quotation marks, but in parentheses. And I had Kembo Kibato playing on the right-hand side of the midfield with James Murphy being on the left. Now, with all these recent signings until now, I think I re-scratch everyone's name off, off the starting 11 grid with the exception of one name. And you could already base who that name is if you want to 
take take a guess at that. Tyler Derrick. Um, Correct. I think this starting 11 would need to be reshaped based on all of the acquisitions. Now, I could probably fit in all of my back four the way I have it. Now, I can probably slot in Juan David Cabezas in the slot of Will Cousin. Will Cousin, or Juan Cousin, I'm sorry, would be slotted into the slot of Kibata. I would probably leave out James Murphy. I would put him out, and I would put Adrian Vera. Mm -hmm. That's just me being me. And, of course, I would still have Elvis Ammo playing behind the striker role while I can put Sorto on the left and Juan Carlos Socar on the right. What do okay. you make what do you make of that starting 11? So before uh, you know I talk about that starting 11, you know, when you, what you're what you're telling me here your analysis of this potential starting A5 based on what we currently have, you know. Mm -hmm. I think you I think um, it's further evidence more concrete evidence of the fact that Campbell Kibata was not going to fit in, you know, he was he was not going to break into starting 11 or even on the bench. Cause you already, you, so you mentioned putting in Juan David Cabezas mm -hmm. alongside Perfect. Juan Cousin and- uh, well, Juan Cousin would be on the opposite side of James Murphy, considering the formation is a 4-4-2 diamond midfield mm -hmm. where you would have Elvis Ammo being the central attacking midfield. Yes. And then, and then you would put Kyle Edwards in the substitute bench and you would bring in Christian Sorto. So who would, who would it like, let's assume that uh, Campbell Kibato was not loaned out. I mean, who else do you have as a midfielder? I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got, well, uh, According to transfer market, you've got Grant Robinson, who also can play a central midfield. I have uh, him starting have... as the left wing back. Mm -hmm. Yes. From based but... on my chart. Correct. Okay. And then I have a, a Dispe as one of the center backs, uh, Camden Riley as the other center back, and then on the right on the right back side, mm -hmm. Carter Manley. Now, yeah, well, it's yeah, and the interesting thing about Grant Robinson is you look at his history and with um, um, and with Las Vegas, most of his time, most of his appearances were as a defensive midfielder, you know. So, who's who's to say that maybe Wilmer might uh, might have him as a defensive midfielder, where pretty much you can say that he would be the bench. For Juan David Cabezas in that four-four-two diamond formation, mm -hmm. and where does that leave Kembo then? You know, and, and remember, there are still some signings that are pending to be announced by RGVFC. So the more we look at it, the more difficult it, it was going to be for Kembo. So I think it's a good idea for him. Um, now, as far as your starting, your potential starting eleven is concerned, you know, I honestly think. Um, for me, 
that, let me go back to the list for RGV. So obviously for me, Tyler Derrick uh, would be the goalkeeper. Um, and then in the midfield, Juan de Bica bases, I would actually go rather than a four, uh, a four diamond in the middle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would go with a four, two, three, one. And that is because that was what Romer would use at times with the Houston Dynamo. And so if it's, if it's a system that is uh, well rehearsed and that is Wilmer's preferred formation, mm-hmm. you know, I think we may, we may see that. And this is where I would see in the midfield Juan David Cabezas and have, um, and have James Murphy or even Grant Robinson beside him. And then you would have, and, th- and this is just, you know, this is just me. In front of him, I would have uh, Wan Cousin. Mm-hmm. Out on the wing, uh, out on the sides, you know, I would, I, I would agree, uh, you know, with, you, with your decisions, having, you know, maybe a Adrian, Adrian Vera, or like you mentioned, Juan Carlos Azocar, and uh, I think you mentioned... Uh, Christian Sorto. Yep, I would go you know, so, Sorto left, um, Asoka right, just mm-hmm. due to the to the natural. Now, I would have Elvis Amo, uh, who's the twenty nine year old, one of the veterans. I would have him be the central attacking midfielder mm-hmm. over Wan Kuzain. Mm, yes. And it's interesting, you know, it's interesting about Wang Cuisine because with SKC2, and we talked about this before, mm-hmm. with SKC2, he was played as a defensive midfielder. So basically, the more offensive um, defensive midfielder uh, of, you know, we talked, uh, we talked with uh, John from USL Tactics, you know, about that. And uh, there's a, a lot of times soccer pundits always say that when you're playing a two defensive midfield formation, you got to have one that is a little bit more offensive minded and then have a, one that's more defensive minded. And this is where maybe Wang Cuisine can, co- can come in. You know, you have him being kind of like the box to box midfielder. You know, with SKC2, he was at box to box. Like, he would defend, but he would also lead the attack from behind. Now, based on what I've been told about Wang Kuzain and his, and his style, I feel like him being coming in from way, in, way from the back may be a little bit detrimental. I would see him more a little bit higher up than Juan David Cabezas. Um, but that's just, you know, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um so, but in this case, you know, from what you're saying, then he might be, Wang Cousin might be that, uh, that player that comes off the bench and takes advantage when your opposing team is tired out. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of like the way I, I, I visualized the team at the time, uh, which was March. 19th of this year just 
based on the signings, once we got to 11 players, I hope mm-hmm. that sometime in the next few days I can update it and then get slammed uh, by it by other people whose name I won't mention. But uh, I will be ref- refreshing this uh, quite soon. And I also mm-hmm. want to throw in the uh, uh, the substitutes that would be available uh, to this team or if this application allows me to put the substitutes and starters as well. But moving on to my final topic of the podcast, preseason is underway now. What did you make of the two results that were obtained by the team today? There's one thing that worries me, and let's start with the first one against Austin Bolt. Mm-hmm. The RGVSC official Twitter account mentioned in their live tweet. Yes, we got in the first few minutes, RGV got the go-ahead goal. Okay. Um, the Austin Bold official tweet claims that the and there's no live feed, there's no video feed from this video, right? So mm-hmm. we can only assume. But they made a kind of like a snarky comment saying that it was probably caused because the fact that the pitch was uh, watered right before the match, which makes me believe that maybe the goalkeeper um, couldn't get a good hold of the ball, slipped from his hands, and it went in. You know, so, I mean, we like I said, we don't know. But they did get a go-ahead goal. However, when they posted at halftime, and I'm talking about RGV's account, and this is what it says, a few great saves by Miller keeps RGV ahead of, at the half. Maybe I'm, maybe, I may be over-exaggerating because obviously we don't know exactly what happened. There's no details about it. But it makes me believe that maybe Austin was pretty much pounding at the door and Miller had to step up and make these saves to keep, uh, to keep the game 1-0, which worries me a little. And then, so in the first half, you had Miller, um, you know, Colin Miller as a goalkeeper. Um, you had Adrian Vera, a trialist, Alexis Cerritos, Juan David Cabezas, uh, Arturo Dispe, another trialist, Camden Riley, Carter Manley, Elvis uh, Amo, and another trialist, right? And then in the second half, um, you had Tyler Derrick, James Murphy, another trialist, Wang Kuzain, another trialist, uh, J- Jai, correct my pronunciation, please. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant Robinson, Diego Rocha, who, if I'm not mistaken, actually had to come in since the first half for Arturo Dispe. Um, so hopefully it wasn't because of a, uh, of a potential injury or anything. But like I said, details, on, details haven't been said anything about that. And then you had Christian Sorto. And so the final score was 1-1. And I was told uh, in confirmation of Austin Bolt's tweet where they mentioned that the goalkeeper, in this case, Tyler Derrick, slipped. I was told that that is correct. Um, In the play, Tyler Derrick 
slipped a little, and that was enough for uh, Austin Bolt to get the goal. But I was also told that it was the defense that screwed up and left that Bolt player 1v1 against Tyler Derrick. Well, I mean, I guess it's a fair result to grab for your opening uh, game of preseason for the Toros as I, I, I saw a little bit of the live tweets. And I'm like, well, okay, fair result for the, for the team who's never gotten a result out there in the road. So grab it and run. And let's, and let's not forget, it's not a bad result considering that this is the first time this team has had an official preseason match against another team. Yeah, and and now if you take this, uh, take the following game in which they had against MLS franchise and new boys, Austin FC, things were a, li- a little bit different for the team. In fact, they were able to put some they were able to put some uh, some chances away this time around. Yeah, the final score, uh, three two, uh, from what we saw on the, on the uh, final score tweet by RGV. Uh, it seems that it was a last minute goal by Austin FC, which secured a win for them. But we also have to remember, I think a lot of people. Um, don't realize, and I'm not just talking about RGB fans, but also some Dynamo fans, you know, mm-hmm. um, that have tweeted out about this result is that Austin FC, because they played San Antonio yesterday for La Copita, they got, and they t- trashed San Antonio five to one, they played their reserves today against. Them. So, really, because I know there, there was, you know, there was some uh, friends. RGB friends that were kind of like starting to kind of put some banter on San Antonio for the result, but y'all need to, you need to understand that either you're comparing apples to oranges here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good result because I mean, at the end of the day, they're being, you know, they're being coached uh, by the, by the MLS coach and you, those reserves have the expectations of an MLS team rather than a USL team. Um, but I think um, there's really not much to read into into this mm-hmm. if you want to go solely by, oh, it was an MLS team versus a USL team. I mean, that really that really doesn't say anything when you're going up against uh, reserves. It's good experience for our club um, going into this preseason, but that's about it. That's the only thing that we can take out of it. And I'm sure Wilmer Cabrera... Um, in the second game and against Austin Bold has learned a couple of things about this squad, uh, a couple of fixes, you know, here and there going into the last um, preseason match against San Antonio FC. But as far as uh, outside of that is concerned, there's really nothing to look uh, to look into it. Well, Edson, I want to thank you for coming in. And I, I, I know your show's a, a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, I guess that we can call this the Down in the Valley Inverse podcast version. <laughs> uh, where where else can they find you on social media? Sure. Um, y'all can find me on Twitter uh, at Eochoa underscore eight. You can find me on Instagram at Eochoa D-I-T-V-8. And um, 
yeah, pretty much those are, that's my social media that I mostly use. I mean, I do have a Facebook page, um, but I really use that uh, since I know most of the interactions right now, all the young kids, they use Twitter nowadays. They don't really use Facebook. Um, but yeah, um, also, like you mentioned, down in the Valley, it's in a little bit of a hiatus uh, since I find myself moving from uh, Houston back to the good old Rio Grande Valley where uh, I was born and raised. So really, like I said, look, really looking forward uh, to covering the Toros um, from back home. And uh, yeah, we hopefully we sh uh, it'll be back soon and we can have some more discussion about uh, RGV and some new signings that are out there on the horizon. Folks, if you want to check our podcast or drop a line to our podcast you that line is south texas border sports at gmail.com uh, you can drop a, a message on there you can drop a message on facebook messenger at south texas border sports or on instagram as well south texas border sports as well and on twitter at s-o-t-x athletics i-x ending edson thank you so much for joining us I appreciate the time, appreciate the efforts, and uh, I hope to be uh, talking to you uh, real soon. Pleasure, pleasure is mine to be uh, invited back again. Uh, and uh, let's continue our work, the work that we do uh, covering the Toros um, fairly and as uh, truthful and informative as possible. Um, I, think the, I think the fan base is starting to grow. And the more we do this, the, the more this is going to help uh, the fan base. Thank you, Hudson. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.